Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 22. It's going to come up on the screens. Jesus, it says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. This is a, a, a New Year's resolution for you. For so many of us, we're, we haven't even thought about resolutions. You're like, bro, let me get through Christmas, my guy. I don't want to think about the next year. Just let me get through one thing. But for those of us that are thinking about resolutions, here's a really good one for you. One that Jesus did. The Bible says that on the Sabbath day that he went into the synagogue, a.k.a. the church, as was his custom, meaning what he regularly did, what he frequented, what was his habit. 2022, make it a habit to go to church. All four and a half of y'all. I'll see y'all here on Sundays. As was his custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In just a second, we're going to land in that spot and it's going to make so much more sense. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fasted on him. He began, he began by saying to them, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him. And were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Hey, over the next few minutes, hoping that you're taking notes. But I want to speak to you from an idea that I think if we catch this, it's going to help us. Not in the Christmas time, not in 2022, but in our lives. And it's called the Christmas time limit. The Christmas time limit. Come on, let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to just come before you. We're grateful that we get to sing songs about you, that we get to worship you. And in this season, Lord God, help us to bring our souls and to calm down, Lord. Help us to eliminate distractions right now, Lord. Not to worry about the text or what we need to do or what needs to be purchased. Father, I pray that right now we would be still, as the psalmist said, that we would know that you are God. Help our souls to be still. Help our minds to be still. Help us to learn. Open our hearts, Lord God. Father, I pray, John 3.30, let me decrease that you may increase. Father, I pray that your words will come forth. And as the double-edged sword that they are, may it do the work, Father, that no man, no surgeon, no doctor, Lord God, no pastor can do. That only you can do, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time for Jesus. If you're excited for the word to come forth, come on, would you put your hands together? Greater Church, if you're watching online, come on, would you put some hearts in there and engage with us? Amen. The Christmas time limit. The Christmas time limit. Everything is dictated by time. 
Yo, it's insane. There are a couple of different ways that you can describe time. There's chronos time, right? So that means that's the time that we live by. Right now, it's 1214 or 1212 right now. So I put a little bit ahead on time so that I don't preach too long for y'all because I could keep y'all here till about three o'clock in the afternoon. But listen, what happens is this. We have our time and we know that in a little while, it's going to be the afternoon. And then after the afternoon, we're going to know it's the evening and then we go to sleep and then it's the morning and we have times and there's dates that are put on it. There's days that are put on it. There's weeks and we separated our weeks, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We have months. I'm not going to tell you all the months. You should know them by now. We have 12 different months. We have a year and what it helps us to break up our times. And we know that timing is everything. Like imagine in a wedding, yo, the bride doesn't come out first. You're beautiful. You did your makeup. I mean, your face is beautiful. Your hair looks amazing, girl. That dress looks like the Lord put it on you. I mean, you look incredible. But, bro, you're not going to come out first. You're going to wait till everybody's walked. And you're going to come out and right in the middle of the aisle, bam, you just, ha. For some of ones. And then it'd be you and your dad, whoever's walking you down. And, you know, your dad's carrying a shotgun. Um, <laughs> you're going to walk down the aisle together. I mean, everything is about timing. This whole life, everything that we live, it's all controlled by time. We're all dictated by time. I can show you what it looks like. There's three type of people here. If you know me, you know I'm a notorious categorizer. I will categorize you in a second. But there's three of you in this room right now. There's some of you that are called the preparers. Here's what the preparers are. On Black Friday, you did all your Christmas shopping. Or the week after, because you know Black Friday doesn't even mean anything anymore. Now it's like Monday. The same deal they have on Black Friday, they have it Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They probably still have the deal going on right now. But for some of you, you know you've already got it. You had the list figured out. You told your kids, bro, if you don't get your list in by on time, like you don't even play. Like, I mean, you're just, you're prepared to the T. You're like, I'm not doing none of that stuff. You put up the Christmas lights while the turkey was in the oven. You were thinking about the trees and the lights and you were thinking about everything. And then there's the participators. I, I kind of fall into that, that, you know, like I don't like listening to Christmas music until Thanksgiving is over. Let's thank the Lord and then we're going to celebrate Jesus. Like I don't want to listen to Mariah Carey on Thanksgiving or on uh, November. No, that's my birthday month. I'm going to turn up my birthday month. That's what I want to do. But, but, then, but then when, you know, I put the Christmas lights at an acceptable time, my wife has turned me into a little bit of a preparer though because she lives literally has all the Christmas gifts. I mean, we had the tree up. I mean, we had lights up, even though it was in phases. Like it was one week we put a little bit of the lights and then we put another one, but I'm kind of in that middle. And then there's the third special group that I'm not going to say whether you do or do not partake in or are a part of, which is the procrastinators. I say Christmas and you're like, Chino, can you just do an altar call, my guy? Because I need to hit target ASAP. You are the part of the crew that whenever it is Christmas or an anniversary or you're on Google looking up 10 things to buy my wife for her birthday. You are here buying Twizzlers and Coke. I've, I've been there, you can tell. I've been there. We've been rushing. And the procrastinators, bro, you're trying to put everything together and you're just trying to figure it out. For some of us, it's Christmas Eve. And the only place that is open on Christmas Eve, make sure y'all at church on Christmas Eve, but the only place that is open is CVS. And you're walking around with the walk of shame because you're looking for some weird toy to buy your kids. And then there's people that are waiting for you. And you're like, I don't even know what this thing is. He's going to like it. <laughs> no, he's not going to like it. <laughs> he, he's not. It's not going to fit him. You were supposed to get an extra large. The medium is not going to work. But you say that's the only thing they got. So it's the thought that counts. No, think earlier. 
What happens is that in every category that we find ourselves in, we are dictated, we, are, we have parameters around us that are all about time because timing is everything. The world was created. And one of the things that God created, he's outside of time. He, he's in chronos time. So God was there at the very foundation of the earth. And he's at the day that you're going to pass away. He's also at the day that the rapture will happen. And yet he was in 1997. And yet in 2003, he's omniscient. He can be everywhere at all times. That's why the only person that can heal the wounds that you have been dealing with, for some of us, we're taking psychiatrists and we're going to therapists. None of that is bad. We're taking medicine. We're trying to do all of these different things to heal a wound that happened to us when we were young we haven't processed we haven't dealt with it dealt with it and time has passed but that wound hasn't passed the only person that can step into your past is God because he lives outside of that not only can he step into your past he acknowledges it but he's the only one that can heal it this God that we serve he's outside of time creation was made the fall of man happened in Genesis chapter 3 Meaning we were separated from God at that very moment. Death was introduced. Death is not the highlight reel of the coronavirus. Death is something that was promised to every individual in the world. We are all appointed one day to die. Every single one of us. That's the promise that we have. But here it is. He has a choice to make. And in the very moment where Adam and Eve has sinned against them, and I'm not uh, insulting your intelligence, but for some of our friends who may have not known the story or have no idea how this whole thing came about, Adam and Eve sinned against God. And when they sinned against God, there was a separation because the Bible says that sin is like a stench unto God's nostril. He can't even smell sin because he hates it. He has to turn his face from it. That's why we see Jesus on the cross. And one of the words that he says, his final words, is that my father, my father, why have you forsaken? him why have you forsaken me God has to turn his face from his son because on his son was my sins so here it is that God has to create a plan and he says what I'm going to do is that I'm going to bring a seed his name is going to be Jesus it doesn't explain it all in there but he says I'm going to bring a seed who's going to rescue you he's going to ransom you he's going to save you this is the one that's going to make everything right again but in the fullness of time see we're living in this thing called time so the prophets and the pastors and the priests and they walk through and they have the law where you have to earn certain things and you have to do certain things to be able to accept God's love and you have to sacrifice things and you have to play the xylophone right. What is it? That thing. And you have to do all of these things right and you have to do them correctly so that God can finally accept you. But then we get to the point, the Christmas story where the, the Magi see the star in the sky and they begin to follow this star. And when they follow it, they get to this manger scene where it didn't look how they planned it was going to look like. They didn't think this way was the way that they were going to introduce their child into the story. But Jesus is born. My question that I've always asked, especially during the Christmas, team, Christmas season, what does that mean to me? Like, I get it. I understand it. I love Christmas. I love everything about the child. But timing has everything to do with everything. See, that child, even in his life, you could begin to see how there are little things that because of timing, God has to change him. He actually leaves from there. He can't even go back to his hometown. He actually has to go to Egypt during a certain season of his life because of timing. Because Herod, who was after him to kill him, he had to die. Egypt, which if you told a Jewish person to go back to Egypt, they would probably spit in your face or slap you because Egypt was significant of the 
slavery that they had to deal with. It was written in every book that they read. It was talked about at every Christmas dinner. Every time they sat down and remembered the sovereignty and the redeeming hand of the Lord, they always brought Egypt back. But yet the Bible says that Jesus has to go to Egypt. He spends a little bit of time in Egypt. The time has elapsed. And then all of a sudden they bring him back. He can't go back to where he's from. He has to actually take a detour and he ends up at Nazareth. Here it is, this Jesus that we're talking to, that he in this time, he has stripped himself of all divinity. He has become like men. Ephesians says, Philippians chapter one, verse nine, it says that he has stripped himself of divinity and become like us, me and you. He's no longer God. He's a man living in time. It's crazy because this Jesus that we talked about from the very moment that he was born, he could have began to create miracles. I believe it. He could have continued to do incredible things, but he had to not only bind himself to the laws of our land, to who we are, but he stripped himself so that he can be without sin, just like he proved that you can be. This Jesus, he had to live a sinless life without having everything that we that he has now, being God, having the Holy Spirit in him. Jesus didn't have any of those things at the very beginning. He was a man just like you and I are. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, you can go back and read it. He lived a sinless life. Then he gets to the point where time has gotten there. 30 years. 30 years he has lived without doing anything, prepping and learning, taking time to understand what his calling was, falling in love more and more with his father. At the age of 30 years old, he is baptized and then he begins his ministry. The Bible says that at the very moment, sin, the only way that you can get sin forgiven is that it would be covered, right? This word named atonement. I'm going somewhere, I promise you. Atonement means that they would once a year they would cover their sins they would bring animals and lambs and because of the blood of the lamb because of the blood of the sheep because of the blood of the sacrificed animal this would cover their sins but as soon as they would begin to sin they would become uncovered and again sin would peak its ugly little head again and once again the children of Israel would be defiled they couldn't go back into the church they couldn't worship they couldn't do any of those things so here it is in John chapter 29 the Bible said John chapter 1 verse 29 that John sees Jesus coming and he's talking about him and he says behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of this world not cover the sins but he's going to take away the sins of this world it is at that very moment that the bible says that he is wanting to get baptized and john says bro i can't baptize you you need to baptize me and he said let it be done for all to fulfill all righteousness you need to baptize me john he baptizes jesus and at that very moment the bible says that the heavens open up this is my my son in whom I am delighted with, in whom I am pleased with. This is Jesus. And it says that the Holy Spirit came down likened to a dove. It wasn't a dove, guys. It wasn't like, brrr, TBN messed y'all up with that little bird. It wasn't a bird, bro. It was the actual Holy Spirit that the Bible never says, and the Holy Spirit descended, I mean, ascended again. The Bible just says that at the moment that he was baptized, that the Holy Spirit descended enters into Jesus now Jesus possesses the Holy Spirit now the power the gifts the things that he would begin to do are only because of that moment 
I'm, just, I'm going somewhere. It's because of that very moment. Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is the Holy Spirit. He stripped himself. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. He receives the Holy Spirit in him. And God approves him at that very moment. Why does he approve him? Because if you remember in scriptures, Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says that once he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness. And he gets tempted three times by the enemy. He tells him, hey, jump off this thing. Don't test the Lord. He tells him, hey, I'm going to give you everything. I'm not only going to worship Jesus. Hey, why don't you turn this bread into, into, I mean, these rocks into stone. Man shall only live by bread alone, but by every word. He passes all of the temptation. Can I tell you that before he passed the temptation, he was already approved by God. Before he ever stepped into the wilderness, God had already said, that's my son. I'm good. Man, for some of us, I, I believe that this is a word for us because we try so hard. I'm going to explain it in a second. We try so hard to earn God's favor, to earn God's love. We try to figure it out, but you don't understand that you already got the green light from your dad. That the moment that you confess with your mouth and you believe, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you get the green light. Your dad is good with you. He's fine with you, bro. Like, we, we try to earn this thing. Now, we could talk about sin, and we will, and we could talk about holiness, and we will, and sanctification, the process that once you get saved, you should be changing. You should be becoming another person. But before you become that other person, he still loves you. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't understand that? He, he still loves you. Jesus, 30 years old, he gets baptized. He begins his ministry insane because when he begins his ministry he does what he always does he goes to the church when he goes to the church he gets up there and he begins to open up the scroll and he unwraps the scroll and he begins to read the words that are penned by Isaiah chapter 61 it says the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mic drop. He rolls it back up and then he goes and he has a seat. At this moment, everything that they've been waiting for. I mean, everybody who was in the crowd, the words that he just spoke were the very reason why they had a smile on their face, why they can go through hard time, why they existed through slavery, why they would bear all of the burdens of life, but still have hope that one day a Messiah is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to do these things. And here it is that this man gets up there and he talks about it in church. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. And he mic drops. And then he says one phrase that I'm hoping would bring encouragement to you today. He says, everything that you read today is being fulfilled. Meaning, yo, all of these things that I just said, the baby, the reason why I came is to do every one of these things in your life. Can I tell you something? That the promises of God don't have a time limit. That those promises that were alive and active in the children of Israel, that they're alive and active in our own personal life. That what I just read right now was really for you. That everything, these five promises, they're real in our life. And we can actually benefit. We can actually live in these five promises. I'll show you just in a second. The Bible says that Jesus says, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. The gospel or the good news to the poor. The gospel, meaning the good news, meaning you were far from God. You were separated. There was nothing you can do to earn God's love. Nothing you can do to earn God's favor. He desires perfection, holiness, nothing. The wages of sin is death. That's the only thing that you can pay. You, you, your wages is what you get when you work. 
And every single one of us, I don't know if you're perfect. If you are, I kind of need to hand you the microphone so you can teach us. But if you've had sin in your life, then that means that you are discontinued from a relationship with God, meaning that you're on your way to hell. If you sinned at all, you've done anything wrong, you, yeah, you're going to hell. Like I'm, I'm saying that's not me. That's what the scripture says. But the good news is that God would step into time. And in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin. Everything that I had done wrong, Jesus took it on himself and became sin so that I may become the righteousness of God. Meaning that every one of my sins that Jesus got pinned on the cross, like I said, in just a few months, in six months, on the other side of 2022, we're going to talk about the sacrificial death, the cross of Jesus. And it was on that cross that Jesus didn't die for us, but he actually died as us. That means you should have paid the payment but Jesus switches it that's the gospel that God came down that he lived a sinless life that he died for your sins and then he gave you life and he told you now you're right with the father now you don't need a veil to stand before my father now you don't need sacrifices you don't need animals come on that's good news now you don't need to do things the way that everybody else does them for you to have access to me you have access to me because my son granted it for you the beauty of the gospel is the good news that we are reunited with a God for all of eternity. I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. When we think about the word poor, that doesn't mean a financial situation. That's not an economic bracket. When he's talking about the poor, he's talking about those that can't afford it. I'm telling you, we cannot afford salvation. You can't give tithes enough. Make sure y'all give y'all tithes. You can't serve enough at church. Make sure y'all serve. You can't be a part of a member of a church. You can't just walk your way into a relationship to pay for your relationship with God. No, that's done freely. Jesus has given you that. When he talks about preaching the gospel to the poor, it's what you can't afford. Yo, I don't care how much you try for some of us, and I can show you time after time where individuals who have a lot of money and on the opposite side of poor are living the worst lives in their life because they haven't had a relationship with Jesus. And you watch them with millions and billions in their bank account and they end up on the news because they killed themselves from a drug overdose or a gunshot because the one thing that they don't have is peace. I mean, just peace, bro. You can't afford peace. You can't pay for it. Give some money to a psychiatrist. He's going to sit down and he's going to, after a little while, but that junk is going to come right back on you. But here it is that we serve a God that he preaches the good news to the poor. He gives it to us. We have access to a relationship with God. Come on, man. That's good news. That's good news. That's what Jesus came to give you. He came to tell you, hey, I'm here. To the children of Israel during that time, what he was saying was so much bigger than our little Western religion philosophy that we have about who Jesus is. It was so much bigger to them when they understood that, yo, everything that we've been waiting for, the captivity, I mean, the things that we've been waiting and longing for, this man is going to bring it to us. Sometimes when we become Christians, bro, we get so lost in that because we forgot about what it was when we were so far from God. And it was the moment that we decided I need him in my life and things began to change. That peace came upon you. You no longer were worrying about X, Y, Z. Now life took a brand new meaning. It feels like you stepped out of your own time and you stepped into God's time. It was in that moment where we received Jesus. That the Bible says, I not only came to bring, preach the gospel to the, to the poor, but I came to bring freedom to the captives. That it's in that moment where we were so bound by our lifestyle, by addiction, by anxiety, by depression, by sin, by sex, by drugs. So many things were wrapped all around our mind and we felt like we were stuck and we couldn't get out. I'll show you. I'm a, I'm a horrible dreamer. 
I, there's two types of dreams. There, there are dreams that really mean something, that they are prophetic dreams that God can act. And so I know people who have prophetic dreams, and then they're just normal, regular, weird dreams that you just have. Like me, I just have weird dreams. Like God doesn't speak to me too much in my dreams. Why? Because I'll be sitting there at, and I'm, I'm at my house and I'll be watching TV in my dreams and I'll be watching TV and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm at your house. And I'm sitting there and I'm walking to your refrigerator. And I walk to your refrigerator, I actually get in my car and I'm in my car and I'm like, cool, I guess. And then I'm like driving and then all of a sudden I'm like, and then I'm in the middle of the street and there's like a gang coming to fight with me and I'm like, dang. Okay, what's up? And, and then I see them, and then I go, and I'm like, and then when I go to fight, I'm like, give me a second. Give me a second. I've learned in my dreams. In my dreams, I try to like, I try to like that last little minute, just try to at least get something. Or when I try to run, it's like, I'm gone. Anybody? Am I the only person? Don't you hate that? It's like, bro, I want to run. It's like, the car's going to hit me. Oh, I'm gone. Oh, the wind's in my hair. Oh. <laughs> What's crazy is that so many of us with smiles on our face, that's what we feel like with sin. Man, we can't get out of pornography. We can't get out of this addiction. It feels like we just keep going right back. And every time that we try, bro, it's like we pay and we're just trying. I just, I just want to fight this thing. I, I just want to run from this thing. And you can't. Can I tell you the truth? Here, I'm going to save you some time. You can't. You, you can't. The Bible said that it is Jesus that will bring the freedom to the captives, the freedom to the prisoners. If you feel bound by sin and you can't break that addiction, you can't break the way you think, you can't break the way you live. Yo, we serve a Jesus that the Bible says he himself said out of his own mouth, I came to bring freedom to the prisoners. I want to set you free. I want to break you from the bondage that so easily besets you. I want to come alongside of you and I want to break what your family can't break, what money can't break what the psychologist can't break I want to change you but you got to allow for me to bring you that freedom I came to bring the gospel to the poor but I came to bring freedom to the prisoner now what happens is that for some of us we heard that and we clapped because we're like yeah I'm no longer a prisoner but you're still blind though you have repented of your sins for a lot of us in here can I be honest with you? I've fallen into this category more times than I can imagine. And it's scriptures like these that I can kneel on. Scriptures like these that I can kind of say, well, God, if you said this in the Bible, then I got to believe it. Why? Because the Bible says that he came to bring recovery of sight to the blind. What you miss there is that you begin to think to yourself, he's bringing sight to those that are blind. And it's true. For those that felt in darkness, it felt like, yo, I don't know which way to go. I'm stuck without direction. Do I graduate from college and go to this job? Do I move back home? Do I marry her? What do I do? I'm stuck in darkness. That's what it feels like. But can I be honest with you? We're missing a key word here. Actually, we're not even missing a key word. We're missing, y'all remember preface, pre pre-suffocus? Is that, that what it is? Prefaces, that one, whichever one it was. That word re that word re, when you put it in front of, re, when you make it recovery, that means that there was a time that you can see. But then all of a sudden, for you to have sight recovered, it means you lost it, but then you're gaining it again. I think Jesus isn't Isaiah who was penning the words that Jesus himself would say thousands of years before. He spoke these words, Isaiah, knowing that the Messiah was one day going to speak these words. I don't think he did it by just happenstance. I think he was very intricate, smart in the way that he did it. Because for so many of us, and I promise you for the children of Israel who were there at the time, they had enough 
They've gotten to the point where they were waiting for so long. I've been trying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been doing everything. And it just got to a point where you just can't see how you're going to get out of this thing. You just can't see how God can be that real, that he can change that situation. You don't see how he can actually do that. And before you know it, the enemy starts putting these blinders on you and you start losing your sight. You start think you stop thinking that there's actual hope at the end of the rainbow. You stop thinking that God can actually heal this from you. You stop thinking that, yo, is this thing even real, bro? Like, what am I even doing right now? And Satan begins to take the very vision and he starts blinding you. But here it is that Jesus says, I know that the enemy has blinded you. I know you have lost hope in the very fact that I can save you. I know that you have lost hope in the fact and you don't even think that I am who I say I am. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to recover that sight for you. I'm going to give you brand new vision. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the scales off of your eyes. It was Paul who was an intelligent dude that he had it all figured out but the Bible says that the way that he got him to him was that he released scales over his eyes and he couldn't see it he couldn't see what was going on and it was in a moment where Ananias came to him the Holy Spirit spoke to him through a word of knowledge and said yo Paul is over there I want you to lay hands on him and pray for him and at the moment that he prayed for him the scales began to fall off of his eyes can I tell you that's what Jesus does bro I didn't even think until I was in my 20s that I could ever even buy a house. Like, I mean, that's how Satan had me bound, bro. I didn't think I was going to get married and fall in love. You know how many dumb things I've done in my life? I thought I had to pay for all of these things before I could ever come to God. I had it all figured out. In a sense, I was so blinded because there was, I couldn't even see a foot in front of me because I thought there's no way that God would use an 18-year-old little gang member from the streets of Miami. There's no way that God would rescue me because I've done so many bad things. There's no way that God can actually get in the middle of my situation, remove the scales from my eyes, and show me that in 2022 and 2021, I'd be preaching in front of a church talking about the gospel and how God removed the scales from my eyes and he gave me vision. And not vision for 2021, vision for 2022 and 23 and 24 because my life is given to the simple gospel i don't gotta have a bunch of complicated vision I, it's easy i'm gonna preach until i can't preach no more and then when i'm done preaching i'm gonna write about it <laughs> and when i'm done writing about it i'm gonna inspire the next generation to go and preach about it but there are times in my life man where the scales come upon me and it's just like yo i just i feel like i can't even see what tomorrow looks like how beautiful it is of a savior that he talks to us and he says, yo, I bring recovery of sight to the blind. Blindness, I don't think it's necessarily just something that you watch with your eyes. And I don't think that it's just something about vision. It's easy. You can preach that. Oh, come on, roll up. Yeah, God got you. For some of us, we hear those things, but deep seated inside of us. And we've talked about this for the last two weeks. And if you haven't, when you weren't a part of this on the journey with us, you can go back and listen to the messages on YouTube, Facebook. But what happened was that we were, we had these thoughts, these thoughts that during the Christmas season, a lot of people are dealing with depression. A lot of people are dealing with anxiety. The Bible says that Joseph, he hears, <laughs> he's about to marry this girl. And when he's going to marry this girl, she tells him, hey, Joseph, hey, Joe, how are you? <laughs> hey, I'm pregnant. And, and then it says that he, he goes and he begins to think to himself, well, I love the law. And according to the law, she needs to be killed. I don't want her to lose her life, but I feel like she broke minds. But I'm going to divorce her privately. And then I'm going to just try to move on with my life. I can't imagine what that thought, husbands, wives, we know that, that I just can't even imagine what that thought was like, the heartbreak that he experienced during that time. And we unpacked what it looked like in our own lives. 
and how Christmas isn't just about the jolly Saint Nick. There are so many of us that are dealing with depression, anxiety, and out of nine reasons psychology say, psychologists say that nine reasons that depression enters into our life, only two of them are biological, genetical, or mind changes. Seven of them are lifestyle things that we do. That, this thing called the cell phone, yo, that thing kills us. So much of the way we eat, the lack of sleep that we have, and we could go down the list. Go back and listen to the other two messages. I don't have the time to recap all of that stuff because I want to get you out of here. But I promise you, so much of what we deal with is found in our lifestyle. But look at this. Not only is the blind eyes, but the Bible says that he came to set the oppressed free. So when we talk about these different tactics or these different ideals or different things that you can do to be able to lift that depression when it comes on you, we talked about how you can turn on worship and you begin to listen to worship and how it starts freeing your mind and you start singing the songs and it feels like you just have this spiritual moment with God that you can actually start exercising and going to sleep, that it's spiritual, that you got to do some spiritual warfare. You got to write some stuff down in some scriptures that when things start coming against you and your family, that you begin to fight against those things. We talk about all of these different tactics, but we always have to lay our head on the fact that God loves us and that he will set us free from the bondage of depression, anxiety, of fear, of suicide thoughts that he promised in scripture that he was going to set you free if you're oppressed and you feel like yo I just it, I can't shake it yo I know a God that broke that it's a promise in the Bible and if you trust him just trust him what do you got to lose but when you do trust him the Bible says that he not only changes it he takes the scales out of your eyes you begin to have new vision but that feeling that you have it begins to lift and you man like I could breathe again like I can start walking through life and I'm not afraid of what might come. I'm not afraid of the payments that I have to pay to be good with God because that's the way we treat God, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's, you know, I, I, I got to pay something. I'll show you what that is. The Bible says that Jesus says to them, I'm going to do all of these things. And then he lands. He said, I'm going to bring the gospel to the poor, freedom to the prisoners. I'm going to recover sight to the blind. I'm going to set the oppressed free. I'm going to bring that healing into you. And then he says, and I'm going to announce the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, the, the word or the thought there is this thought of jubilee. Jubilee. Here's what jubilee is. Jubilee would happen every seven years or 50 years. What would happen is that for seven years, you would till the ground and you would work the ground and you would do all of these things and you would make sure that everything is nice at the house and you would do all this. And then after the seventh year, on the eighth year, you would just let it die dormant, that you wouldn't put or plant anything. Let it grow, whatever grows. But that moment, you just let it happen. Yo, that's a good word for us. Work hard for seven days on the eighth day. Stop being so productive. Get off your phone. Stop watching TV. Don't go into work because I need to one more. I need to answer this. Stop. Stop. There's a word for you. Here, Christmas, yo, take the eighth day and let it lie dormant. Don't reproduce. Don't be fruitful. Just chill. Don't even change your underwears. <laughs> just lay there. Just, just whatever. You don't like my stink. The Lord set me free. Chino said that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Especially husbands, don't do that. Because then you're going to blame it on me and your wife's going to be like, oh, he stank next to me about three weeks. No, I said one day, guy. Listen. <laughs> But, but here's the thing, this what would happen during Jubilee, but then the Jubilee was 50 years. After 50 years, if you owed something to somebody, at that moment, your debt was forgiven. 
So meaning if you had land that you had to do or you sold your children into slavery different times, my guys. Ramses, you better tighten up. But if you, if you, you sold your children into slavery, you did all of these things. After 50 years, the debt would be canceled and your children would come home. I mean, you know, Ramses would leave. He was 13 years old. I sold him off to slavery. Praise the Lord because he ain't acting right. Threatening in the house of the Lord. Therapy sessions. <laughs> and after, you know, 20 years, maybe 30 years, maybe 50 years, after some time, he would come back and he'd have a beard and, and he'd look like me. And my wife would be at the window. Babe, look, what? who is that? And, and it would come back. And the debt would be canceled. The land would become yours again. See, there's a debt that we have to pay. And it's the debt of sin. But what Jesus was saying is that I'm going to give you favor. Meaning, I'm going to look at you and I'm going to give you your own personal jubilee. The beautiful part about it is that we don't have to wait 50 years. The Christmas time limit. A few years ago, uh, me and the, the director. So here at Greater Church, we have directors that run different ministries. So like Nunzi is over the worship ministry and she's the director. And then we have our G Kids director and we have uh, Jamal who's in the back who is directing, uh, watches over our welcome team. When you come in, they sat you down. They, they welcomed you, et cetera, and et cetera. We have different directors that are in different places. And what we try to do is that every so often we get together and we just hang out. We do this with our teams, but we also do this with the directors. And me and my wife, we'll bring them to the house. Not so long ago, we had them all over. We had breakfast. And this particular one, we were like, yo, let's go do an escape room. Dumbest idea. Dumbest idea. But it was fun. You remember that, babe? We said, we're going to do the escape room. Probably won't do that again. But we, we're going to do the escape room. And we decided to do the escape room. And here's the thing about me is that you will notice um, I, I love strategy. And I love leadership. And I'm, I'm always watching and gleaning. Like I love having conversations with Jamal, with Tommy, because these guys have been in the military for so long. And these guys have, I mean, when they start talking to me, they start showing me things and I'm like, dang, that's the way the Bible thinks. And I love it. I love all this leadership structure. I love all of that stuff. So my thing is that I love to walk into spaces where there's chaos going on. My wife hates it about me, but I love chaos. I like to be in the middle of chaos. I'm like, ah, it's like a tornado. I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I love it because I thrive in it I automatically it's like another gear hits on and I'm like doom, doom, like I start thinking differently and I love it well this particular day we decided yo we're gonna go out to this escape room and I don't even remember what it was it was like a nuclear bomb that we had to deactivate in those moments though what I love to do is I like to just step back because I'm very inspirational and motivational and I can speak loud and I take charge and I do all of these leadership things that what happens is that people start to well you do it Chino and what I do is I love in these moments I just step back and I just watch I want to see where the leaders are and slowly but slowly you start watching no we need to do this it's three 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 that's nine it's the holy spirit we need to divide it by 14 go over here put the key i'm like yo this is not church my guy but it's and you start watching and then i don't remember we were just watching them and then they start arguing that's not what we're gonna do we're gonna die no you're in an escape room we paid 60 dollars. this is fake that's it i promise you it's fake we're not gonna die but i, but I just sit there and i watch and i'm just like and then, and then we broke through a room and then we got to the other room and then we got to the other room. I was like, yo, this is the coolest thing ever. Now I start getting into it. So I'm over here in the corner and I'm trying to figure out, I'm looking at the little paper. I'm like, so what do you got to do? I got to go over here. Hey, what if we did, shut up, stupid. I'm like, you got a demon, bro. <laughs> it just got real. 
and they're figuring it out and they're running this way and they're running that way and it just and we got and then the whole time there's this timer that's slowly going down and you're watching everybody they're like oh my gosh we're gonna die I don't understand what it is <laughs> these people are running our church <laughs> what's happening I love them you're looking for a perfect church this ain't it which is why I love it <laughs> and we're, we're trying to do all of this stuff and then finally you know we figure out another piece and then another piece and then we get to a point where we're all stuck and then the truth and the reality of it starts to hit you there's no way we're going to figure this thing out before the time ticks and we're all going to die because a bomb is going to take us all out and we're all going to die but but you start watching the the attitudes start coming down people start getting kind of to the space where they're just like well i don't know what the heck does this mean why are you these three digits but there's three clocks on the wall yeah but then there's three things on the door but then there's three rats on the floor <laughs> then there's three things here and you're just like three everywhere it's the holy ghost it's the father son and the holy spirit just the, i don't know but you start watching as people just <laughs> it's like they, they kind of start calming down and landing and just saying yo this this is gonna suck and we're not gonna be able to pass this test and, and then they get to a place where that thing starts tickling down and then all of a sudden something happens we all died we're all dead everybody's in the room and we're all dead i couldn't figure it out i just i'm as dumb as everybody else probably the dumbest one in the room which is a good leadership that's why you keep smart people around you but i had all of these smart individuals and we all died but then all of a sudden the person comes in and the person starts telling us look all you had to do is i'm sorry if i'm out of camera right now but all you had to do is you just had to go Boom, once you hit the seventh one, you would open the door. And then once you hit the seventh one, the code is right here. Look, the code right there. Once you did the code, the code is going to bring you right here. And then all you have to do is just say, open the door. Uh, open the door. Open the door. And then they will open the door and then you're getting out of this place. And it was funny because after the time limit was when we got the revelation of how to get out of all this mess. That's what life looks like a lot of times for us. You begin stuff and you're trying to fight this thing and trying to figure it out. If I just give more money to the church, if I just come more times to the church, if I just pray more, you know what? I'm not just going to pray regularly. Every time I pray, I'm just going to do one of these and I'm going to kneel. Oh, you know what? I'm going to just really get low, Father, right now. And I'm going to do the whole Catholic thing in Jesus, in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm going to try to do all of this stuff. And, and we try to work our way towards this thing. But then we feel like every bit of money, everything that we do, it just doesn't work. And it just feels like, I just, I get to the point. And then you get so excited because you're like, I'm going to work the work. I'm going to make it work. And you don't rest in the fact that God loves you, that he came to set you free, that he came to love you. You don't rest in that. You're trying to build on top of that. So you do all of these things. And then you get to the point where you're just tired. And it's a season, right? Like I've been there. And you're just like, I don't even feel like, I just read four chapters and bro, I don't even know what I just read. I try to pray, but it's been about two days. <laughs> and Father, I love you. In Jesus' name, protect my kids. And, and it feels like you're just, you start to, it feels like you start to land a little bit with your faith and life. You get to this place where you're just like, yo, I like, is it even worth it? Like, what am I, what am I even doing? And then there are these moments where we have a fork in the road. And it's a dangerous place to be at. Because I have met tons of my friends, tons of my own family members. Can I tell you the truth? I've been at that fork in the road a few times. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, 
Because you get to this fork in the road where you're just like, yo, do I keep pushing and keep trying? Or do I just give up on this stuff? Like, she'll find somebody. My kids will get another dad. You know, the church will figure this junk out by themselves. They're Christians. They love the Lord. They just go to another church. Or do I just keep pushing at this thing? Because I tried and it felt like the pandemic just freaking ravaged us. We got a quarter of our room. The other quarter is watching online. I broke the church. Fauci broke the church. <laughs> well, I don't. And it's crazy because I've seen people who have taken that other road and they've given up on so many different things to the point even people who I've known personally who have taken their life because they've gotten to this place where they're just like, God can't help me. And they've given up on marriages. They've given up on churches. They've given up on jobs. They've given up on everything. And it's a slope that begins to tell you. The Bible talks about it in Hebrews chapter 4. It's like a ring that as you begin to lose weight, it begins to fall off your finger. But then there's this other side that Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says that it, if you don't faint, if you don't give up, if you don't stop while doing good, in due time you will receive a reward. The reward that I receive on a daily basis is that one of you will call me and tell me, yo Chino, thank you for helping me out through this season. The reward is that you will come and you will say, listen to what happened to my life because of what you did. Because of somebody like a Carlos Figueroa that I know you're watching online in my worst moment where I was like, yo, what am I even doing here right now? Like, yo, I feel like I'm messing everything up. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody's alongside of me. I'm trying to do this thing on my own. This is stupid. God, I'm done with this junk. Then I have an individual that will call me and say, yo, Chino, you know what happened to me? I was taking my gun shooting my range test because he's a police officer. He's the personal police officer to Keisha Bob. And he went to the range and he was shooting his range and he failed his test. And then he calls me. He's like, yo, I failed my test. I screwed it all up. They had to pull him out because he, he was dealing with MS and his body had an episode and they brought him out and he's, I messed this whole thing up. And then he calls me, me going through it just like he was. And he tells me, yo, in all my mess ups, I end up going back to the police station. And when I go back to the police station, I went to go talk to my lieutenant and I watched that my lieutenant's knee was hurting. And I said, yo, what's going on with your knee? And he says, man, I messed it up running. And he said, hey, can I, can I pray for your knee? And he says, yeah, you, you can pray for my knee. I think it's a little weird, but go ahead, do it. What are you going to do? And he prays for his knee and then he tells him, yo, try to move it. And he begins to move it. And he's like, damn, that's crazy. And he's like, yo, I can, I can. And God miraculously healed his knee. And it's stories of watching those things happen that begin to show me, yo, you got to keep going, my guy, because what you're doing is counting and what you're doing matters. There are moments that God will speak life into it. There are moments that I will be here at the church and I'll be having one of those days and I'll look over and I'll watch a tear in your eye as you're worshiping the Lord that we worship together. But because of what he's doing in your life, it begins to encourage me. All of a sudden, there is a Christmas time limit that hits because just like we were at the point where we gave up all hope the moment that you gave up hope that's where you are prime candidate to the grace of God that's where he comes in to rescue you and he begins to tell you listen to me if you just open up your freaking bible just I know you don't want to open it I know you don't want to read it but if you just begin to read it a little bit if you actually stop spending your entire night on Netflix and go to sleep get up in the morning and I'm going to show you the riches of mercy I'm going to show you the things that I can do in your life I'm going to show you how I'm going to rescue your family I'm going to show you how I'm going to take you from where you are to where you want to be I'm going to take a moment and you're going to begin to hear my voice no longer are you just going to hear me in the form of you in the heart but all of a sudden it's like yo
Yo, now I start hearing God's voice. Now he's starting to talk to me again. I thought you were gone. I thought you left me. But all I needed was for you to just come a little bit closer. But it has to come to a time limit. Something has to end. What has to end is your own self. You have to die to yourself. You got to get to the point where you say, yo, it's not about me. In that moment, everything changes. It's the Christmas time limit. That God would send his only begotten son. That you would walk through life. And then one day that baby would become a man. And in your worst, darkest moments, you saw him. You, it was real to you. He changed you. He saved you. We hang on to that. That's the moment where the time limit. The enemy has but so much time. And in Jesus' name, his power is about to break right now over so many lives. Because there's a time limit to even the attraction of the enemy. The Bible says in Revelation that he had about a thousand years. There's a time limit on everything. It's Cairo's time. When God steps into it, he breaks the time of man. He steps in and he changes it. No longer is he going to keep him addicted anymore. I'm going to step into the scene and I'm going to break that. I'm going to restore the manners. I'm going to make sure that I do the things that no other person can do. There's a time limit. I came to tell you today, even as I prepared for this message, I felt the Lord screaming in my heart. There's a time limit. There's a time limit. I had another message. I had another thought for this message. But God just told me, there's a time limit. There's a time limit. I'm, I'm about to stop it. Because everything that you've been going through, I know it's hard. I know it sucks. And I know it hurts. But there's a time limit. I'm going to stop it. And when I stop it, if, if, you, if, you, if you just lean into me a little bit, I'm going to show you how to get out of this. You ain't going to blow up. Ain't going to be no bomb. The bomb is the one that you're going to drop on Satan. When you stand up and you begin to tell people of how God saved you, how he changed you, how he took what was broken and he brought it back together. It's the gospel story, but it's the, it's the Christmas timeline. It's the Christmas time limit. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us.